0: Um, Jim is going can you guys hear me? Okay. Why well, Jim knows all the history um, and all the facts and stuff like that My, I don't know that much um, but I think I have a different dynamic to share like a woman's insight into what the ministry is and we really appreciate your prayers and I think the more you know like on a big scale but especially because this is um, our home church what you know on a smaller scale can really help to tailor your prayers for um, not only our family but all the missionary families Um, So, as a woman, I would say that um, entering a prison is extremely – like, it's a physical intimidation. Um, I know the very first bus ride that I took, um, they told me that I was, like, the rookie, and, you know, they were teasing me, and they told me that I was going to be strip-searched, and I was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Like, I was like – and they were joking with me the whole time there, and then right before we walked in, they said – oh, but don't forget, just don't touch your face, don't touch anything, and I was like, what do you mean, like, is this another joke, and they're like, oh, no, like, scabies, like, runs rampant in this prison, and I'm like, what, so as soon as you are told, like, don't touch your face, you're like, and you're sweating, and you're like, you got to wipe my sweat, and you're like, oh, my goodness, so just, just those little things I don't think people think about, just physically being safe, when you go in with, um, you know, 45 pencils, they count them, and then when you leave, you need 45 pencils, and when you're handing a pencil to a prisoner, who it could potentially be a weapon. As a woman, it feels a little intimidating. Um, so you just need to be covered in prayer, just even on a physical sense. Um, some of the unintended things is, that I gained from the ministry was friendship. Um, I didn't know anybody real, like I knew some of the girls. But when you are going into a prison, and again, it's an intimidating situation. You're really bonding with them. You have long bus rides. Um, Some of my closest friends, even though we don't see each other anymore because I'm not on the team, um, I consider them extremely close friends, sisters in Christ, just having done that experience. And I know Jim would say the same thing. Um, So if you like athletics and you like um, bonding, um, that's a huge plus for the ministry. Um, Something else, I'm going to go back to the, the first prison that I went into before. We walk in and, you know, the whole ministry is you're ministering to prisoners. And what I didn't get is we stopped for breakfast. It was a long car ride. And we go into a diner and you're in your uniform. So you have people talking and they're curious and you have a chance to share the gospel sometimes with people just sitting in a diner just because they want to know, you know, what are you with? What's your bus? And you know, what are you doing? And when you tell them what you're doing, they're totally shocked and you've got their ear. Um, and also just going into a prison I know for the women, when we come in and they're like, you're here to do the prison ministry, and we're like, yes, and they're shocked that we're just normal women. A lot of times they're expecting nuns, and they've said that to us, like, oh, we thought you guys were going to be a bunch of nuns. Um, and so just and then the COs have to be present with the prisoners all day long, and so they're hearing the gospel, and they're curious, and sometimes they're asking questions. Um, so while we focus a lot on the prisoners Just throughout the whole day, just covering in prayer where we're going to be, just um, travel, who we're going to see, the corrections officers, obviously the prisoners. But I think sometimes more can be prayed for. Um, And then the other thing that Jim was talking about is just a different dynamic in that I've been on the team. And so I've seen, okay, this is a little bit of sacrifice leaving your family um, some of the intimidation that comes from being into the, the prison. but I also the flip side of it, I'm home when he leaves and so, so I think it's like a week. You guys are gone for like a week. It seems like a month. Um, and at home, just being a saint's wife, I get and just you know, knowing other like the craziest things happen. When they're away, like a kid will eat a half a bottle of Motrin, or there'll be a snake in your house, or there's some crazy illness that you know befalls you while you're trying to take care of your kids. So, not only um, do the athletes need prayer, but also the women and the children and the families that they're leaving. So, um, that's really that's all I wanted to say. Right? Just like different stuff that I don't think sometimes people may not focus on when they think about the ministry. There's a lot more than just ministering to prisoners. So, all right, thank you.
1: Thank you, dear. Um, and I'm glad she wanted to, uh, to, to, uh, to say that because, I mean, the men and women that go out wouldn't be able to do it without support from home. Um, it's every other Saturday from May through uh, September, and then in August we do go on that week-long trip. And the money that we raise helps go to fuel... Helps go to the gospel literature, the tracts, the correspondence. And, you know, that costs money. Um, the prayer, you know, sometimes the they, we have a board that oversees the ministry. They ask me to go to speak at different churches. I spoke at one Sunday. And sometimes I get mad because they're constantly fundraising. And I constantly say, yo, we need more prayer than we do money. And they're like, no, well, that's not really how I should make the pitch. But but it's you know, what's in my heart. Do You know what I mean? Because... It's such a legitimate, in-your-face spiritual battle. There is an honest opposition. Well, I I shouldn't say an honest, but a real opposition, an in-your-face opposition. Uh, I just want to share where we are right now. I I shared the start of the ministry was here in New Jersey. Uh, As of the last, I want to say, slowly over the last four years, the state of New Jersey has said to us, hey look, thanks but no thanks. Uh, we don't want you here. Um, it's not a program we're willing to allocate our officers to supervise. So, while you might have success in other states, New Jersey doesn't want you. And that's tough for me to handle. Um, you know, I've, I've I work in government, I work um, I've You know, been at all levels of government, all types of government. And to think that Satan is, I believe he's real and I believe he's closing doors in our face. So we have a national director, we have um, uh, churches that support us. We met with uh, the administration of the Department of Corrections here in New Jersey last year and said, hey, we look, we play softball, we play basketball, we play volleyball, we play soccer. I mean, it just because they tried to raise a concern. It was about softball bats, which is funny, but uh, because they have rec anyway. So if they're having rec anyway, softball bats obviously aren't a problem. So they tried to go that route, and we said we offer other sports. And then they said, "Oh, it's the overtime, and we don't want to, you know, pay extra officers to watch civilians." Um, Okay, every other state in the Mid Atlantic region does it from May through. Uh, September. We can go through New York. We can go through Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, but the one state where we started, the one state where we would be the most cost-effective for us to minister, is giving us the biggest opposition. You know, some of these prisons that you see in movies like Sing Sing or Attica, oh, we go there, and I've literally walked to the halls. I've literally been on cell blocks, and you're in the belly of the beast in one state, and New Jersey, your home state, where your home base is, is in your face saying, no, look, sorry, we don't want it, we can't have it, go about your way. And so, um, if you're looking to pray, or if you do pray, I mean, that to me would be a very specific, very easy thing to pray for. Hey, here in the state of New Jersey, we need a door to be open, we need to um, silence the enemy because he's trying to stop the work that we do. And I believe, uh, very very wholeheartedly, very really, that there's a, a direct cause and effect relationship between what the enemy's trying to do and the fact that we're not in prisons anymore in New Jersey. Um, just here in this area, in Mount Laurel, it started, but there was a family, uh, a husband and a wife, the wife goes missing. Uh, he's suspected of murder. It was in Burlington County. They can't find a body. The, the man was arrested in Lawn right down the road. And for a long time, they couldn't find the body. They eventually found it in Maryland. But, uh, you know, this young man is accused of murder. He spent two different times in the state system here in New Jersey. Um, this past week, there was a young man killed in Patterson. I could honestly, and I do this with my wife, unfortunately, because of my day job, and I just point to the different crimes that happen because people come home from prison and yo, their heart is still focused on the same things that it was before. There's no change. There's no, hey, they say, you know, rehabilitation, correction, whatever it is, is supposed to have this effect on the person. But unfortunately, all too often, it doesn't. So I see in New Jersey, hey, look, we're not here, and look at the stuff that it just, these men come home and do the same thing. To me, it's increasing. So if you, need, if you feel led, pray for us. Pray for us here. Pray that the doors will open. Um, some people think I'm crazy when I say, hey, you really think certain crimes that happen in New Jersey happen because you can't get into the prisons with your ministry? And I look at them, I tell them, yeah. Because just like us, just like the people that you know that know the gospel, who's to say when you're going to get saved? Who's to say when your life's going to change? Who's to say that the Holy Spirit won't use someone at a certain time in a certain place? No one knows that. Absolutely no one. So do I believe in a prison where we're going out of our way, extending ourselves, meeting with folks face to face, looking at them in the eye and saying, hey, where do you stand with Jesus today? When you have that conversation, that person needs to say, oh, shoot, I can't avoid this. I need to answer. So the more we do that, the more we interact with people on a face-to-face, relational level, you know they've got to answer for it. They're our neighbors. They're folks coming home to our community. And to me, I live this every day. Parole is what I do. 98% of the folks locked up are coming home. The numbers are staggering. 75% are back in within the first three years. That's a lot. I'm not going to talk about the monetary effect that has. But studies show, uh, I mean, our ministry is into also proving what we do, that it drops down to like 10% after people make a true conversion into Jesus Christ. Do people still make bad choices? Yeah. Don't we all? Don't we all make bad choices? I I I find this work so compelling because I know I sin. I know I sin. I know I sin bad. Because my sins might not play out like these guys, it doesn't change my where my eternal destiny was headed. My, I was headed for hell. I grew up a straight-A student. I grew up a two-sport athlete. I grew up in a... Uh, a Christian upbringing, and I was headed for hell. That's what sin does. Isaiah 53, 6, for we all like sheep have gone astray. It's not just the really bad ones are going astray. It's just not the folks that need to be sent away. It's everybody. And I think that's the thing I try to communicate when I go to speak to churches to say, hey, look, this is why this is so needed. Because, you know, international missions, it's feel good. It's like these people in a far-off land, they really need Jesus because without us, they wouldn't hear about it. And that's true. I've gone to Central America. I've been to Nicaragua, Guatemala. The international missions is needed. It is vital. I believe it. But when you say to somebody, hey, I'm a prison minister, and I want you to help help me raise support, they're like, "Uh, you know. Or they say, you know what, that's good, they really need it. I say, you know what, so do I. I need it too. And so I just, um, there's a couple of scripture I wanted to look at just tonight. Um, I wanted to start in Romans 10. It's just one short verse. It's, it's, it's very simple. It's, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. I know in the Christian life, it's so casual to say, hey, look, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. Or, hey, can you pray for me? Can you pray for my family? Or can you pray for my loved one? Romans 10.1 is specific. It's pointed. It's purposeful. My heart's desire is that this group be saved. And thats I just want to tell you guys, that's where my heart's desire is. That these folks behind bars have a real interaction with Jesus Christ. They realize that they didn't sin outside of his love. That they didn't sin in such a way that Jesus isn't applicable to them. Because so much of their life is told to them, Hey, because you've done this, you can't get this. You can't be free. You can't wear clothes. You can't do, go out and come and go as you choose. Their, their choices have disqualified them here on earth. Praise God our choices haven't disqualified us, from, disqualified us from Jesus Christ. And that's what I love about what we do. I just love it. Uh, and talks about what it's like to walk into a prison. The men would never admit to this, but it is intimidating. You're literally surrounded, literally, by hundreds, most times thousands of people. And what they want to do is test you, especially the men. They want to get inside your head. They want to give you what they've got because they want to see Yo, what's this guy really going to do? It might be all well and good that he's here, but yo, why are they here and what are they going to be like? So in a a recreational softball game, somebody talks trash, you engage them in it. They think the louder they do it, the less you're going to do it and just be intimidated. And they will say things that make the hairs on the back of your head stand up. And there are other unique dynamics that I'm not afraid to talk about. It's different for me. I'll say it. Yeah, in the in the world we live in, the, the day and time we live in, you know, my heart breaks because there's so many. I don't know. I'll say discrepancies with how we worship or how God's church looks in reference to racial breakdowns. But I go in to prisons that are majority minority, and here I am, this lonely brown face on the saint's bus. So these guys ride me like there's no tomorrow. I don't say it. I love it. I don't back down from one person. Again, my wife will tell you (laughs) Poor her because she catches the brunt of my not backing down. But man, they come on me like there is no tomorrow. And you know what? Sometimes it gets old. You don't. You are going out of your way. You're leaving your wife and family because you here you are. You want to be uh, an ambassador for Jesus, a vehicle of love and of hope. And man, they're making fun of how you look in a uniform, what you ate for breakfast. You must have had six of them. Like, it just comes, and it comes hard. But there's power in being able to say, you know what, that's funny, but you know what, that's nice that you're saying that to me today, and I shake their hand. Like, who is this guy? He's crazy. People need the feeling that they're inherently approachable. These people have said, in their mind, they've been taught, you know, nobody wants us. We're removed. Our families, the majority of them, have cut us off. They're talked to institutionally like, yo, you're a number, you're not a person, you need to shut up and do what you're told. So I think they take on that persona. And so it's easier to embrace that than to say, hey, I'm in the lowest, darkest place in my life, and I need help. What I will say to every person in here, I know we've all been there. might not have been in prison. It might have had nothing to do with criminal justice. But we've all reached a spot where we come to the end of yourself, where your choices, where your actions have brought you somewhere, and you're like, how did I get here this, is, this can't be what life's all about and how do I get out of it those feelings are universal I believe those feelings aren't just solely for the folks that are prisoners so while it's hard for us to imagine literally killing someone and being angry as the same thing or hating someone or not liking someone And to think, hey, look, you're raising money to go reach those murderers. But, folks, if we really believe the gospel, if we really believe what it says, that's 100% true. It's 100% true. God doesn't say, hey, look, I'll give this to the okay sinners, and I'll give this to the really bad sinners. To me, over and over and over again, It talks about a collective all, for we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's not some. It's not the really bad ones. It's everybody. So what do we do? This is just one ministry that is in my, I, I say it's in my wheelhouse because it's on stage, it's, athletics, it's interaction, it's all the stuff I love. Maybe that's not any of you. Like I just said, for very specific reasons, for doors to open, for families left at home, for the folks that we meet all along the way, for the conversations that we have behind bars, pray. Specifically pray. You can come up to me or you can see Bill. Bill. And say, hey, you know what? Can I have your schedule? Because I'd like to pray and know where you are and how to pray for you. I don't have it yet, but as soon as I get it, I guarantee I'll give it to you. Because I I believe that there's power in specific prayer. I believe that. You know, sometimes it's it feels good just to, you know, to know what you're praying for and to know where it goes. So not everybody can be a softball player. I get that. Not everybody can play basketball. Not everybody can play play volleyball. It's not conducive for every family to to lose a spouse for a whole day and sometimes a whole week. Okay. Pray. It's not, you know, one better or one worse. We're in this together. One thing that, like those guys, I say, the guys locked up, they – Never hear enough is, you know, they were born in God's image. That's true for them as it is for me. When the Psalm says, "Yo, know, I knew you in your mother's womb; I knit you together in your mother's womb," that's them too. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven that a plan for uh, prosperity and you know to give them a hope and a future, not to harm. You know, that's available to them too. And Satan's very good at lying to them. And so this wheel just keeps going. And for all my, um, I'll say, politically in tune friends, yet you know, we just keep throwing money at the problem. Throwing money and throwing money and throwing money. The problem will never go away unless there's a change in the heart. Jesus Christ is the only answer for sin. For anybody. government tries to help. And the, the, the irony of it all is New Jersey is actually very progressive in trying to reach prisoners and trying to help give folks treatment. We actually spend more money than most in different ways to try and reach this population. But when it comes to reaching them with Jesus, they've said no. Oh, no, you stop. I can go to a maximum security facility in any other state But I can't go to a farm in Cumberland County because New Jersey says no. It defies logic. But if you believe what the Bible says, the enemy is making it so. He does not want it to happen. Out of a ministry that started in New Jersey was born all of this. So he's trying to destroy it. And it's frustrating. Last year we went to the state of Michigan for a week. Our first day there. Now, again, we just drove a long bus ride, the first place we go to. Oh, yeah, sorry, you can't come. (laughs) And we're just like, wait, what, excuse us? You know, we just drove all this way. We're from New Jersey. Hey, that's great, but you're not coming here today. And there's scores and scores of times that happens where we go in the parking lot and pray, hey, God, we don't know what's up but there's obviously an opposition. So that's why those schedules, I feel, are important. Hey, look, pray for this day because this stuff gets set up so long in advance, and then when you go and somebody says, hey, thanks, but no thanks. Just this past year, um, the ministry tried to reach out to newcomers, tried to say, hey, look, if you've never done it before, just come and see what it's like. My grandpa will turn 90 next month. He said, I supported you. I want to go and see what it's like. So, 89 year old Charlie comes on the bus with me and his son, who's, I want to say, in his mid 60s, my uncle, and my great uncle, my grandmom's brother. He's in his 70s. They all come. We go to a prison in Maryland. It was really the highlight of my life. I was so looking forward to it because here's the the spiritual leader of my family who was actually saved in a juvenile detention center coming with me to this prison. 89 years old. He gets to see it. He's written me checks. He's prayed. He's been faithful. I was elated. We get to the door, hey, there's a mix-up in your paperwork. Thanks for coming, but you got to (laughs) go. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, we only have a couple of you guys clear. The rest of you can't come. So if you're willing to let two or three in, they can come in. Well, you can't play a softball game with two or three. But this stuff happens over and over and over again. So if you feel led, pray. If you feel led, give support. I'll never turn down money for the ministry, but I get that everybody can't do it. I get that. But everybody has time to pray. I'm not going to say I do it all the time. i would be a liar. But here's an opportunity to pray for folks that are trying to reach people for Jesus Christ. The last scripture I want to read is Romans 12:1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what's God, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, one thing I love what's going on in the back with the kids is that they use superheroes to reach the young ones. And... Uh, Romans, Paul here in Romans was well before his time because he's calling us to be transformers. I love transformers. Instead of robots in disguise, we're supposed to be Christians transforming our minds. But see, our mind, I believe, is so very powerful that Paul has to say, hey look, Don't do this anymore and see things the way that everybody else does. Your mind needs to be transformed. The way we see things is screwed up in and of ourselves. We dole out and dish out justice all the time. We are judge, jury, and executioner. I feel like that's God's, when Jesus talks about the two greatest commandments, they're all about love. Love God with all you got, and love people. That's my version, but not that I have a version. But love God and love people. Within your own heart and mind, how much am I judging, how much am I deciding who other people are? God help me, I do it all the time. I do it all the time. Hey, that person's just this. Hey, that person deserves this. Oh, I say that one a lot. Hey, you're getting what you deserve. Folks, we all deserve hell. We all deserve hell. This week... Um, For those who follow sports, Tim Tebow is coming to town. I think that's great. And there's been a large discussion as to why he has this huge phenomenon following if he's not that good. I like to think he is good. That's just me. He's a winner. He's a go-getter. The thing about him that is so controversial is he stands for this. And it's offensive to people. Because when you say to people, hey, your sin is going to take you somewhere, they don't want to hear that. The gospel is offensive because it says, no matter what you do, you deserve hell." You know, people don't like that. And that's why he faces, to me, so much hatred and vitriol, because here he is being totally transformed and saying, I want to stand for something that says, in and of myself, I need a savior. The Muslim population inside a prison grows leaps and bounds greater than ours. And they will stand in front of us and tell us, get your garbage away from me, in a lot more call for terms. You talk about intimidating. I've had people spit at me, kick dirt at me. They stand for what they believe in. That's true. But to me, it's a wonder, why is theirs growing so much faster than ours? In prison, it does have its own dynamic of protection and allegiance. I get it. But look, okay, we face an enemy that's closing doors, and we face an enemy that's Selling fool's gold to these men that says, "Hey, follow this." So we're losing opportunity, and people are buying us. So there's that's why we do it. That's why we go. It's unique. It's different. But I believe it with every fiber of my being. That it's needed. That there are scores and scores of references of in the scripture. Remember those that are in prison. Remember their groans. What you do to the least of these. I, I mean, if you feel called to minister to the hungry or to the homeless, God bless you. This is just one man's calling, this is just mine. If you feel like you could help us in that calling, we would never turn away help. We sign birthday cards. We stuff envelopes. There is plenty of ways you could be of service to the ministry outside of even prayer and finances. You could write a letter. You don't sign the letter and say, hey, this is my name, phone number, and address. You just say, hey, there are real people in the real world that are praying for you and Go over this scripture. It might be of encouragement to you today. In God's love, have a great day. I don't know if you have time to do that. Maybe you do. Think about it. Our minds need to be transformed. How we look at this needs to change. We're all sinners. None of us are righteous. No, not one. So it's not the most, hey, I'm going to prison today. To minister to these people. You know, God's opened a heck of a lot of doors for me. I worked. I, like I said, I started my career in government. I worked for the Speaker of the House here in New Jersey. And how legislation works: it's the Speaker of the House, the President of the Senate, and the Governor negotiate all these things that pass and become law in New Jersey. And I went with him everywhere he went. I had an audience with him. I was his age. He was blown away. He's like, Jim, I can't get my mind around it. You take time off from your job and your family to go to prison? I said, well, they need Jesus just like me. He's, a, he's an unbeliever, doesn't know Jesus. But it was through him that I got my job. It was through the ministry I found a wife. All I did was 11 years ago say, yo, I want to do this. I want to take my skills, my talent, and go play softball. Who knew we would land me a job and a wife? <laughs> <laughs> I say that anecdotally, but so much of my life has changed, and it all goes back to this one decision. People say, you know what, it's just, you know, it's just a game or it's just a ministry. It's so much more than that hey, when you answer God's call, you never know what's behind that door. Anne Marie wishes the door was shut and never opened, but she stuck with me. But our whole family has been changed because of a game of softball and where we play it. So folks, see me if you want to pray. See me if you feel led to Donate finances. See me if you think you could be a pen pal or a letter sufferer or any way you could be. We have plenty of, I don't know, office work. We have a group of uh, retired folks that go to our office and do all kinds of things around there. We send out birthday cards. They help with the birthday cards. They fill those out. There are literally plenty of jobs that can be done. So think about it. If you know someone and you don't feel like you could describe it adequately about what we do, tell me. I'll I'll talk to anybody. We left church here Sunday and I went to another church to speak about the ministry. If you haven't gotten it yet, I love to talk. So I will go and talk to anybody. But I believe I'm talking about something that's real. Jesus and his love applying to everyone. I'm so glad someone chose to expose me to the gospel. So why shouldn't I expose it to as many as I can? If you don't mind, I'm going to pray. And then um, whatever you want to do is great with me. Thanks. <laughs> Dear God in heaven, we just thank you for the time. Uh, Share tonight in your word, just going over... Uh, what's going on in the Saints' prison ministry, why we feel led, um, the power and truth of your word that Christ died for once for all, for everybody, and we are compelled to share that love and that message of hope and resurrection with as many as we can, even those in prison. So I just pray that uh, what was shared tonight would motivate someone to join the cause. And not just with our ministry, the saints' ministry, but with any ministry. Because we need to get in the game here. Opposing forces, the enemy, he's not taking it lightly. He's not sitting on the bench. He's actively pursuing souls. We serve a greater God. We serve the God that defeats the enemy, and sometimes we play it safe. God, call us to action, call us to minister, call us to be vessels of your love, no matter what the ministry, no matter what the call, but let's just get in the game. Thank you for saving us, thank you for revealing yourself to us, and Lord, can we reveal you to others. In your son's name we pray, amen. 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 <laughs>
2: Just do it however you want, John. All right, so let's just take a couple of minutes and, and think about this together a little bit, process this with me a little bit. Um, Jim gets up and talks about what God's doing in his life and through him. What do you feel as a challenge there? What What's God doing inside of you? What's the challenge you hear? What, what's the question that comes up inside of you? Not that you have to have an answer for it, but, but what like tell me what's going on inside as you hear that. What's the, we talked Sunday about the Spirit being a guide and prompting you. So what you hear what Jim's doing, you know, and, and obviously this is a cause that's lifeblood for us as, as believers. What what kind of reaction do you have? Anybody you wanna I just feel like what Jim said, if somebody gave up on him, like where would he be? So mm-hmm. and I always think of that myself.
0: Like if somebody gave up on me,
2: where would I be Yeah. How many of us are recipients of God's grace? Yeah. So because of that, we don't... We, Christianity explicitly is the not give up on anybody. You know what I mean? Like that's what we are specifically. So finding ways to find the lost, to introduce them, to, to invite them to be found, to have, you know, from darkness to light, that's what we're about, you know, and we need to be about it. So And, and it's a reminder because I've experienced it and I know I didn't deserve it. Yeah. I'm I'm really distraught that the state is uh not allowing Yeah. the band as I especially since we've just learned it started here. Yeah. So, um what they said besides prayer is there anything Can we do something?
1: And um they're the ones telling us no and they're the ones with the keys. So our state representatives in this area were there and advocating on our behalf. So they are they have we have their support. It's just with the Department of
2: Crafts. It's not a political thing in that way, like you're saying.
1: It's a governmental decision, hey, we're not gonna make this available. So if you wanna contact the governor's office, if you wanna write a letter, I mean the, it lies with him
2: to just Okay. So governor Christie needs to hear. Yeah. And I think, you know, the reality is, like Jim said, this is it's not about convincing one person. This is about a uh, spiritual battle. And I think it's a, if you haven't recognized this, I think that's what what happens is we get confused into thinking this is all about all these forces at play here. And it's not. There's bigger things at play. And so the, activating your prayer life on it, maybe you just have never really found anything, you know, desperate enough to be regular in prayer about. But there are people out there that are, that are lost and being told and programmed to think that they are lost hopelessly, that there's no hope for them. Um, and to, to you know, for the enemy to dampen that light and turn it off is exactly what he wants to do. So this isn't about somebody changing their mind so much it's about the Spirit of God moving and, and, and the crisis there is inviting us into that spiritual realm, into that spiritual action of prayer. So join in that. Please. Trina. Um what stuck out for me is when Jim had talked about the Muslim faith growing yeah and bounds that all the time. And it's true, I mean, they do they're bold and they stand up for what like they believe in whether it's yep. And we Christians, you know, stereotypically I guess don't mm-hmm. act down and we just we say we believe in it. Yeah, that, you know what I think there's something about it that we, j- we haven't really processed through all the way is, is Muslims don't really care about being kind and nice and loving in, in their faith. And we're always very concerned about being kind and nice and loving, right? So we, we kind of stumble over the, so how do I be bold in love? How do, you know, in kindness, in, in graciousness? And I think that's, we got to get a hold of that because there's power in love but we act like it's weakness. We act like it's embarrassment. We, we don't want to offend anybody. We, we were never promised that if we love people, we wouldn't offend them, right? Jesus loved a lot of people and they put them on a cross. So we're never promised that love would ultimately make everybody like you. We don't need to be jerks about it, you know, and, and aggressive about it. But we do need to be bold about it uh, because I think that, you know, one of the things that, that registers with me is we all are about the harvest, all of us are about the harvest. You know, I put up, I mean, Jim comes because here's a brother that is part of us, you know, and, and Bill, brother who's part of us. If we can't stand with people who God has as part of our body, what, what good are we? Let's let's stand up with them best we can, do everything we can to be on their side. But, I, you know, a couple months ago, we had um, Brenda Hallihan here from Kids Alley reaching kids that have, you know, their, their life is charted out for them already. You know, they're, they're from Camden. And we know where their life is headed. And, and she's reaching them. And they, that's the same kind of thing. It's not going into prisons if, if, if fear is one of your things. These are kids who will love you to death for showing up. And you can teach them to read and write and share Jesus with them. There's opportunity for you to get involved in the harvest, right? Even for us, we, we now have two services. And if you haven't shown up on Sunday morning, we got room. You know, if nothing else, if you show up, you're you're about the kingdom, and then secondarily, you say, hey, I'll save you a seat. That's a simple way to be about the harvest. There are so many elements that God says the harvest is plentiful, right? Plentiful. The fields are white to harvest. You don't think people are a wreck out there that need hope, that need light, that need to, to know that they matter and that the, God can transform them? Let's be about that, right? So, listen.
0: Absolutely. I don't mean in the
2: church. I mean, you know, reaching others outside of the church. So for me, it's a challenge as well. It's yeah. also a challenge to be more supportive of Him as He does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think anytime God's working, there's a spirit to try to discourage. Tom? I think even though introverted Christians may be a part of the problem, there isn't a whole lot of salt against Christianity in this country and around the world. Absolutely. Yeah. If they would bring girls forth in boldness and preach the word. And it said the building was shaken to mm. the foundation, so that's what God said. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah.
1: So while we go, when we're traveling, we try to you know hit the bigger.
2: Population. We try to reach as many as we can. So maybe the softball thing or the sports thing is not the right thing for the juvenile. So there's a, you know if that's on our heart. Then we're looking for God show us what to do there. We have, we have yeah.
1: Yeah. Most of these folks have heard the gospel before. Mm-hmm. Sure. And God had em a, has them at a point where maybe now they're listening, where before they weren't. Mm-hmm. But through the ministry, it's been over twenty-eight thousand folks. Yeah,
2: twenty-eight thousand. Yeah. And the, the people that come to Christ, they have a testimony. Now they they're planted there and and sharing, you know. So you know, it's it's the way that God works and multiplies. You know, 60-fold and 100-fold. Right. Right. Don't disqualify yourself just because well, my situation's not like that, and it's you know ready-made. I guarantee you, God has a plan and a calling in your life to share the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus Christ that can save people eternally. Guaranteed. Michelle, what were you gonna say? I guess um not that I'm stereotyping or anything, but what
0: you had said that when they get out of prison and then within three years some of them are report back in prison. Like to me it's like, oh well that's you know, we because of environment and it, it never occurred to me that if they were safe in prison their hearts now
2: changed. Yeah. So they're gonna go out with a totally different I that's just I don't know, that just stuck out and it it really Yeah. Because I think we spend a lot of time worrying about, you know, what kind of money do we spend and how do we effectively keep people safe and all that stuff. We have the answer. You know what I mean? We act like that's disconnected, but that's that's heart and soul. We have the answer that will ch- literally change a person from old to new. Um, why would we do anything but get every get it out every which way we can? And obviously it has, you know, financial impacts and social impacts and all that, but... On top of all that, it has this spiritual impact of eternity forever, which is the, the root of all of it and the fountain of it, for sure. And if they come out, children. Yeah. Yep. I think that it's easy for us to uh, to look at someone who's in prison and think, you know, good riddance or pay your price or whatever. Um, and, and that's not, to me, that's not what the Lord looks at people like. I think that we do that with, with prejudice in, in lots of forms, in, in racism or economical prejudice or area prejudice, you're from this area, you're from that area, whatever. We do it in a lot of ways and say, well, so be it. That, but if we get the eyes of, of our Lord, if we get to see the way He sees, I think what you see is there are people who are ready to try they are searching for hope because they're desperate for it. Will we meet that need um, or will we keep it to ourselves? And that's what a privilege to be a part of that. So may God stir the church of the people of God. I think what we're talking about in First Corinthians flies right into this because we're talking about, you know, people who disqualify themselves. Last week we were talking about people who disqualify themselves. I'm not good enough because I'm not this and I'm not that and I I don't have anything to do because I'm not this or that, you know, and and. Next time we get together, we're going to talk about the next group, which looks down on others and says, I don't need you because you're not good enough. We do that in the body of Christ. The whole point of the spiritual gifts is that it is the work of the Spirit inside of us. Whatever my talent and ability is, is nothing is minuscule in comparison to the power of the Spirit. So my mind went to to Zechariah, where uh, the Spirit comes and, and gives a vision and says to Zechariah to go encourage those who are doing the work. And the encouragement is this, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In other words, you can look at, do I feel strong? Do I feel weak? Do I feel capable? Do I feel incapable? Do I feel qualified or unqualified? Do I think my life before makes me a mess or do I feel put together? If you look at that, you'll always find an excuse out and you'll always feel less than the task in front of you. So he says, it's not by might or by power, it's by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. And, the, and the, the verses after that, it's, you know, so go back to Zerubbabel who's rebuilding and tell him this mountain is going to be made flat. Like you, you, think, you think you got a big task? Try to flattening out a mountain. You know what I mean? And the point of God is, I'm going to do inhuman things through you by my spirit. Interesting to me, the chapter before it is a chapter about the enemy standing next to the high priest and accusing him. And saying he's he's not worthy. Right, right before that encouragement is a you know Joshua standing in rags, and the uh, he sees Zechariah sees a vision of him, and the and Satan standing next to him as he ministers. And I think every time you go to serve the Lord, you will feel that press that Jim's talking about personally in your life. Whether it's you're supporting somebody or whether it's you going yourself or whatever, you will feel the discouragement, the accusation, the you know, there's no purpose, there's no point, this will do no good. You will feel that. And it's the reminder, it's not by might or by power, it's because the God's spirit is moving. And so we recognize this spiritual battle, this spiritual war that is there. We pray for one another because in that way, God calls us to minister spiritually to each other. As we take prayer requests at the end of a a Wednesday night, do you recognize that you have the opportunity to minister spiritually to someone because you have the privilege of going to the throne of Almighty God and interceding on their behalf? And so Jim goes out and Bill goes out and they go into prisons and you know when they're going and you pray for them. You... You're not there with them, but you're there with them, ministering to them spiritually. You pray for what we do on Sunday morning. It's one of the reasons we pray every single, ever since the first meeting we got together as a church, we get together and we pray, God, take this service, pour out your power in it, not ours. You be known in it, not us. We pray that every single time, not because we're into repetition, but because we, every single time, need to be reminded and need to be deliberate, God, this is yours, not ours. So come out and join us and pray on Sunday morning. You know, 8.30, we're meeting in that room. We pray for people. We pray for needs. You can pray for one another. And then we stand up with each other. And we stand for the cause of Christ. And we're not intimidated because other people are aggressive or because people might not respond. You were never called to be the people making the, the harvest ripe. You were just called to go get out the harvest that's ready. So go get the harvest that's ready. Somebody says to you, like Jim was saying, somebody gets to your face and says, take your garbage away from me. You go, unless the Spirit prompts something different, you go, moving on, right? That's not the ripe harvest. But there are people that are around you that are watching and you don't even know it. There are people around you that are desperately in need. You don't even know it because you're not aware of it. You're busy about your bills and you're busy about your health and you're busy about that relationship and you're busy about all those things, which all those things are part of God's call for you. But think about if you would tune in to what God has for you as far as the harvest goes, you know? Think about the opportunity we have. And so let's be about that. Let's be about that in powerful and strong ways. All right, before we go tonight, love to take an opportunity to gather those prayer requests so that we can do that ministry for each other. What can we remember in prayer tonight before we go?